sana, sana, un grito de rana. Si no te sanas hoy, te sanas mañana. No matter how much pain you are in, this little phrase always makes you feel better. Navigating the field of public health can come with growing pains. The Latinx young professionals are navigating the public health field while helping others along the way. Join us this season as we explore Latinidad in public health. This is Sana Sana, Latinos in Public Health. Welcome to Sana Sana, Latinos in Public Health. Today we will be speaking with Andrea Medeiros, the co-chair of the Latinx Young Professionals Development Committee of the Latino Caucus for Public Health. I'm Cynthia Lebron. I am also one of the members of Latinx Young Professionals, and I'm super excited to be interviewing Andrea today. The mission here is really to learn about where she came from, how that impacted her journey, and where she sees herself going. How does that sound, Andrea? Sounds good. All right, great. So let's start with um, where are you and your family from? So I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. My dad is from San Marcos de Colón, Honduras, and my mom's from Havana, Cuba. So my mom moved from Cuba, then to Spain when she was younger, and then she from Spain to Miami where my parents met. Did they, uh, have they shared with you reasons why they came to the U.S.? Well, my mom, it was during Castro's time, so everything. So my mom basically, my mom, her brother, her parents, I was my grandparents, <laughs> like, they all left Cuba, went to Spain, stayed there for a few years, and then made their way to Miami. My dad, on his part, basically his mom, him, his brothers and mom, moved over to Miami, I think around the same kind of time period. Um, I don't remember the reason why for them, but I just remember it was young. Yeah. Did they have like visions for you? They had no idea. I was coming around anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is like, um, for example, for education, did your parents go to college? So no, my parents did not. They tried to in the beginning and then I was born. So that kind of ruined all their plans. Yeah. Um, so I'm a first generation college student and also my still my sister as well. Mm -hmm. And I got my master's afterwards as well. And how was education viewed in your family? My grandmother is the one who really kind of forced it down but I always okay. loved school. So I was like, okay, that's great. I don't, I don't mind doing homework. <laughs> no one really had to tell me to do homework. It was more, I just did it on my own and I kept doing more stuff and they were happy. Was there a certain expectation for you to continue on uh, with your education? They had no idea I would get a master's eventually or what I would plan to do. I told them when I was in probably like elementary school, middle school, that I just knew I want to do something health related just because I always found it interesting. I was like, oh, this is great. I, like, I always liked science. I liked math. I liked learning about the body overall. And so they knew I would do something, but they had no idea where it would end up. Yeah. So what, motiva what motivated you to continue your education? So after I got my bachelor's, I moved to DC with my boyfriend at the time, which is now my husband. Um, and we basically, well, I wanted to learn more about nonprofits. He wanted to work on the Hill. 
And through that, I basically started doing informal interviews to my boss. She set me up with a bunch of different people and they were the ones saying like, if you do a continuous area, you need a public health master's, you need some other degree. Because everyone I met had either MPHs, DRPHs, some PhD or other form to continue working in that area. Okay. So what is it that you're doing now? So now I'm director of programs, policy and membership of the National Osteoporosis Foundation. So very long title in both ways. <laughs> but I basically work with healthcare professional members, memberships, which range from bone health, like bone health students, PAs, nurses, doctors, and the policy, all policy side. I work with the National Bone Health Policy Institute and where we lead a coalition to strengthen bone health which includes like different aging, family caregivers, women's health and bone advocates. On the programmatic side, it's most, mostly a post-fracture care programming, along with any other program we get like funding for. So what is your role in it? So, which is like, that's a very long basis. <laughs> in general, in any nonprofit, if anyone actually looks at nonprofits and like, instead of a smaller scale nonprofit, let me say that you're gonna be doing a lot of different things in there, mm -hmm. which I actually found out I really love, because I love to learn and like bounce around, like, okay, I'm gonna do some education piece. Okay, now I'm gonna do some policy piece. Okay, I'm gonna do some developmental piece. And mm -hmm. so I basically bounce around in that area, but it's mainly membership, our policy institutes, and the certain programs we have. Depending on like, if it's more medical affairs, it goes towards medical affairs. If it's more, let me say, like I was like programmatic, that's like a really general word to say. <laughs> um, like post-fracture care, I'll work on it or other like this grants we receive. Is there part about it that's like your favorite? I really like planning in general. <laughs> so I like creating like plans of what we're gonna do next, which includes almost anything in my job. Yeah. Uh, I have some experience with your very type A personality <laughs> and that is a great asset to our committee uh, but I'm sure it's something that is also really helpful in your day-to-day -day job for sure and I planning. do a little bit of planning is definitely your forte <laughs> yeah I'm like planning and then also I just somehow got into like some communication doing e-blast as well so I work on that portion of which I'm like I never knew I knew HTML but I guess us growing up in our age we learn HTML basically by doing MySpace and other parts. Oh my gosh, I've mentioned that before too. Do you remember like the AOL profiles that you would like add like those little characters to it? Yes. But yeah, for sure with MySpace and you would add your song on your MySpace page. So I think we're like, we're all weirdly trained in HTML yes. knowing we're trained. And I'm yes, like, oh, for sure. I'm like, why does this come so easily to me? I'm like, I get it. <laughs> I don't know like the whole, I don't know all the coding in the world, but like we know the basics, which is really yeah. cool. No yeah. one thought about like us being on social media when we're younger would actually be useful in anything. That's so funny. I've actually mentioned that before. Uh, that's funny that you made that connection too. But it's true. That was like our little educational uh, foundation. All right. So, um, so how is the work that you're doing connected to public health? I mean, it sounds like, you know, you have education and policy, but like from your perspective, what do you think? So I mainly see it as like we have the patient piece and also the clinical piece as well. So we have the patient piece, but mainly like our main mission is providing information 
to patients. So on our website, you'll see like how to prevent fractures, how to prevent falls, um, what is osteoporosis, what is osteopenia, what is like all this information, what should I talk about my doctor with? So that's that portion. But then clinical education, it's more of tell how what activities we offer to clinicians mm-hmm. for them to get educated to teach their patients as well. Oh, okay. That's so cool. So how did you get into a job like this? Like what were your prior experiences that led you to this position? So I first actually started at NOF as an unpaid intern in 2014. So it's, I've been on and off there for six years because I first, first start, my first job overall, we back up with my bachelor's was in like a nutrition weight loss clinic that was connected to a doctor's office. And then after a few months, we moved to DC and I basically started as an unpaid intern there at NOF. And through there, I just kind of kept growing and learning more. And I'm like, this is really interesting. I really like this stuff. And I kept grabbing more pieces and which is like led to my master's. Then after a little while, like, what was it? What year was that? 2017 or so? I left actually to go to LA where I became a direct, well, first I went to like a medical device company for a little bit. And I realized it's very different from nonprofit life where you only work on one thing at a time, which I was so not used to. I had one project and that's it. I'm like, oh, I don't like this. (laughs) I like doing a lot of things at one time. This is really weird to me. And like, and I had finished my project of the day. They're like, oh no, take a week for it. I'm like, I, but I'm done. (laughs) So it just did not work out. So I ended up going to a different nonprofit for a little bit and doing health education in the, towards the jails and juvenile hall. Oh, cool. Which, it was super interesting to me because I had like the whole organizing the programs and all that piece. And then during this time, I was still consulting with NOF. Cool. So you made your way back there. Yep. And I made my way oh. back all the way back to DC in 2019. Yeah, last year, last May. <laughs> yeah. Then I became basically associate director and afterwards director. On like a more personal level, how did you and your husband manage these like um, coastal moves? So pretty much we realized like, okay, well, first it was like, okay, whoever makes the most money, you decide. <laughs> <laughs> but then in the beginning part, I was like, mm, then also came education. So he wanted to get his master's. So he actually got a scholarship at USC. So we, we thought about for a while, like, okay, is it worth it? I'm like, well you're young now do it now yeah you're never good like example like i'm now I'm pregnant yeah. with twins i'm like we're not gonna go cross country anywhere <laughs> <It's not gonna laughs> so i'm very yeah. happy he got his masters now um but that's how we did the whole cross country trip that like from dc to la yeah then from florida dc that was more of like we knew we had to move like there wasn't much growth when we were in florida and we were just kind of stuck yeah i only ask you because i think um, it's, it's good for people to hear, like, how do you manage relationships and, um, family in terms of your career? And, um, it's always something that you have to compromise, um, if you're in, in a relationship. Um, and it sounds like you guys manage that very well. So I think it's good for us to hear. Even my mom was like, okay, from DC, that's it. If something happens with you, just leave your pots and pans behind, come back home. (laughs) Okay. I was like, well, and then I told them too, I'm like, if something happens, you can keep my pots and pans and I'm going back home. So 
Oh, that's so funny. Of like, what's going to happen next? I'm like, if this works out, great. If it doesn't, we try it. That's, that's the Hispanic mom worrying about your pots and pans. <laughs> like, it all, they're all mine from a long time ago. It's fine. I'm like, okay. And <laughs> eventually, we take a new pots and pans, but not because anything bad that's happened. That's so funny. <laughs> that is so funny. All right. So speaking of Hispanic moms, how do you think um, navigating this space, your career, your experience in public health as a Latina has influenced your experience? It's definitely been interesting. And I didn't fully think about it for a while. I just always like, because I'm pretty like, I'm going to say white passing. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty white. All they have to tell is like, if I start talking with an accent and so people know, they're like, hmm, you're not really from here, are you? I'm like, <laughs> fine. But it's been interesting because there wasn't many people I could talk to who knew, who had the same background as me. Everyone had different backgrounds. They were like from either, like people up here, like, oh, I'm from DC, I'm like from Virginia, I'm from all these other states I didn't fully know where cities were in because geographically it was confusing <laughs> to me. Uh, but I never really met any Florida people or Miami people and so whenever I did, I got very, very excited. And yeah. Talked them a few times. But it was hard in the public health space over here just because I wasn't sure. I didn't know who to really connect with. It was like we connected well, but it wasn't like an automatic, like, I'm so happy to meet you kind of situation. Right. Yeah, and that's the kind of um, bonds that you get when you recognize someone in you. Um, so I want to ask you more about like, so how did you find your way into something like the Latinx young professionals? Because obviously you, you say that you didn't really connect with like the Latinx community, but you found your way here. So what made you do that? It took a while actually. Um, so when I started my master's, it's when I started joining more public health organizations so I started my master's in 2015. That's when I first joined APHA, like American Public Health Association. And then through that, I started like connecting more in different areas. But before that, I was kind of lost, which made sense because whenever I, so previously my bachelor's, I had applied to like many physical therapy schools and I didn't know what really what I was doing. It didn't work out that well. That's why I didn't get my master's either in the beginning part. Like once I graduated, I just kind of got my bachelor's and flowed like, okay, I need a job. This is the next step, what do I do? But once I joined APHA, I connected with a lot more people. And then through a few years, I learned about the Latino Caucus Public Health. But it took a while because I think I first joined and I didn't get any emails or anything. So I'm like, anyone out there, please help me. No? Okay. <laughs> so I did like, it wasn't many like Latino people in APHA that I connected with, but it was a lot of people who were so useful. And there's always like a welcoming, party in there and which I'm like I never knew that existed yeah I think the first time I went to the APHA conference was okay, so 2015 or 2016 I can't even remember now but it was just like amazing the fact that I had like 12,000 people in this huge conference center and you feel at home yeah yeah for sure so I'm glad you find your you found your way to 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 this committee because um we've had some really great experiences together and um, what we've been able to accomplish as a group has been um, some of the highlights of my uh, 2020 for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, can you talk a little bit about your role models? Sure. I'm, I don't really have too many. That sounds like a very sad thing, but cause like people are like, Oh, this person, I'm like my role models were more like organization. I'm like the CDC is my role model. <laughs> I just want to like be there and be like, be those people. I just want to like, it was like CDC and NIH. I'm like, I would always like little. But how, how did those people come to like, how did those organizations come to be like your role models? I think it was like during high school and middle school. Just like, I don't know what I read or saw. I can't remember now. I feel like ancient now. Like, <laughs> brain in general. But I remember like, just looking up and see these organizations like having logos everywhere and having posters. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Like, how do you get there? And then through APHA and other like now organizations I work with, I see everyone there. I'm like, oh, you know, these are really cool people. But like, I put them on a huge pedestal. Of, like, these are the people. Like, this is, like I have to achieve this. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty good with where I am. Like, I'm happy with everything I've done. I feel like I'm at the same level. Even like, they're well, still CBCs. I think beautiful. Like, it's. Even when I visit like years ago when APHA was in Atlanta, I was like, oh, I'm actually on the campus of CDC. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I'm like, this felt like so unreal. I'm like, just because it was, it felt so far away. Yeah. Such a public health nerd. <laughs> it was weird. I put so many pictures inside there. I took a picture with like the public health service picture signs and the CDC museum inside and like all stuff for Ebola back then. I'm like, whoo. That's so funny. All right. So where, where do you see yourself? Where do you see your career going? Good question. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always thought like, I was like, okay, well, after a master, I got a doctorate. I'm like, but then just like thinking over it, I'm like, okay, I have so many loans right now. Do I want to get yeah. a doctorate now, later? Is it worth it? And like, I've talked yeah. with APHA, they have like, all the career like, counseling and like, People get talked to, I've always poked around, everyone has doctorates. I'm like, okay, what do you do with your doctorate? And yeah. I've gotten to the point, like, I don't need one right now where I am in my career. Like, unless I do want to do some research or more, like, education or need that for some other school yeah. in life. Right now, I'm like, I know that's not where I should be. I'm right, no. And that is a real consideration. I mean, I'm. you're not alone in thinking, like, is this worth, um, you know, getting into more debt over or mm -hmm. can I actually afford to take the time to um, get a doctorate? It's definitely, finance is definitely something that we have to think about. I think if you're not thinking about it, that's definitely a privilege on your end. Um, but yeah, I think um, to your point of like, is this something that I need? Is this a degree that I want for where I'm going? Um, I don't think enough people ask themselves like what they're actually planning to do with the degree that they get. So it's cool to see how you thought that through. So if not a doctorate, then what? So I don't, I'm not going to kill doctorate yet in my head. Okay. So I, so issue is I love school. So I'm trying to decipher like, okay, is it my love for school or I need it? So I know I don't need it, but I've told myself like, you know what, if I still really want it later on, I feel like I don't need it. Maybe I'm privileged enough, like when I'm like 40 or 45, <laughs> to get a doctor and be like, you know what? I did it for myself just because like, I know I can still do it in that future. When, when your twins are in high school. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like when they're like, you know, I'm paying for their college. I'll pay for my college. <laughs> too. It'll be really fun having like three degrees being paid. Oh, oh that's so <laughs> funny. 
Hopefully they're going to arrive on campus with them. <laughs> Mommy's here to get her doctorate. <laughs> That's going to be me. I'll, I'll be that kind of parent. Be like, oh, where are you going to school? Oh, let me look it up. Oh, they have, I'm like, they don't have really good programs for me there. You should apply here. And then we'll just all carpool school and it'll be great. <laughs> I get <can't pay> <laughs> Your kids will be dying. <laughs> so I'm not going to kill it yet. But if I do have in the future, I think it might be like just for my own like self. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, but if not a doctorate, or if I don't, next steps, that's what the question was, right? Yeah. I don't know. I just, I'm still learning so much every day at work. Yeah. And it's like, we do so many different programs and so many different things come up. Like everything with COVID kind of changed our main plan. We had at NOF of like, oh, we have our live conference in May. Nope. Okay, we have this live. Nope. So now I think it's just like now all these new challenges have awakened me like the fact of like okay so what do you do if you don't have a live conference or live events anymore and then with that how do you still connect with patients because now patients are having issues connecting with their doctors do they only have telemedicine appointments can they only see their doctor if certain things happen if they have a fever but not related to covid how do they see their doctor because now temperature checks but then they still need to see the physician so it's yeah that's a real problem a lot of people are complaining about being sick and not being able to see their doctor because automatically it's like oh you have covid um but it's not necessarily always the case um and it definitely complicates um the relationship between the patient and the doctor so i know that planning is a big part of your job now and and that's complicated um do you see yourself maybe climbing the ladder in your organization the next ladder would be basically my seat no i was like my boss's job my seat, being company ceo <laughs> but um we're a small nonprofit, so it's more of seeing what other programs like we can get grants funding for but because okay cool we'll see where that goes but i feel like if anything we're kind of also we're rebranding our organization as well right now so we're gonna see what we will be in the future as as a small organization, what's our future going to look like? Yeah. What we're working on. So it's going to be very fun because I, I kind of love getting new, like, oh, new logos, new program names, new this, like, what's going to happen next? And so we're working on that stage now. So in the next cool. like, year, we may be someone different. Yeah, that's cool that you get to be a part of, you know, re-strategizing. Very cool. Okay. I'm going to wrap up by asking our question that we have to ask everyone. Yes. How do you finish sana sana? Culito de rana. Culito de rana. Are you 100% sure about that? <laughs> We've talked about it before. We agree. <laughs> like, it, it's like, I don't understand when it's like, how is it not culito de rana? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. But do ranas have culitos or colitas? <laughs> to me, every, everything has culito. <laughs> So it makes sense if it's culito de rana. Then, we had discussion. I'm like, so do they have colitas? Like, and like, <laughs> like, I don't think I've seen a frog. <laughs> Unless they're like a, a tadpole. A, yeah, so like, there are, and it's not ranita. It's rana. So it's not, it doesn't make sense. It has to be culito. It has to be culito. All right. That's your official answer and you're sticking to it. Always. All right. Well, thanks, Andrea. It was so awesome to hear uh, about your backgrounds and your experience and how you see yourself 
um, in the future, um, I'd like to picture you dropping off your twins at um, college with your own suitcase now. Now that's how I will imagine you forever. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. Um, I don't think they might, well, you know what? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> you can live on campus and I'll just be visiting. We'll ask them in 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, to our listeners, thank you for listening to our podcast today. Remember to subscribe to us via um, Spotify or Apple Podcasts and um, reach out to us on social media. We have our Twitter is SanaSana LPH. That's at SanaSana LPH. We want to hear from you. Please um, tweet at us your questions and let us know if it's Sana, sana, culito de rana or colita de rana. All right. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you.